Welcome to Live in the Nut Bar. You're here with JB and David Cunningham. For anyone that wants to go back and listen to the previous ones, you go to squirrel.co.nz and under About, there's a, a tab called Podcast. So uh, our 21st birthday is coming up soon. But Woohoo! today we're going to go right back to some basics, which is probably really useful for our customers, both borrowers and investors, actually. Yeah talking about how credit decisions are made about whether we lend money, whether the bank lends money, and what are the things that feed into that decision. So why is that useful for people to understand? Well, I mean, look, if we just take it at its simplest, it's going to help people who want to borrow money uh, understand what they need to do, what they need to put in place, how they need to present themselves. For those that are investing into mortgages, which is a reasonably new asset class in New Zealand, and I mean, we obviously do it, Mm. I think it gives them a better understanding about how we assess risk. And, Mm. you know, I'm going to say that investing into mortgages low risk, JB's personal opinion. But I think when we unpack it and we work through it, I think people will start to understand and get a much better sense for just the level of thinking that goes into these Mm. sort of things. You're not just wildly throwing money out to Mm. the wind, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, so the traditional credit languages, the five C's of credit. So let's just work through those. Perhaps if I just mention what they are. So the first one is character. So that's about the person doing the borrowing. Second is capacity. In other words, you know, what's your income sources and what other debts have you got to service and what your outgoings. Capital, which is the third C, which is how much you're putting on the table, how much skin you've got on the game, in other words, your deposit. Collateral, which is the security that the lender will take to ensure they get their money back if things turn to custard. And then the conditions, which is, you know, what's the loan look like, you know, things like interest rates and all that. So, hey, so let's start with character. And, you know, I always like to think about character as you, the person. But how often are banks actually understanding you, the person these days? You know, when you're in a small town, everyone knew the bank manager and the bank manager knew everyone's reputation around town. But that ain't the way things are done now, I guess. So what's character mean these days? Well, it's still similar. In the old days, I think just looking at someone eye to eye was the fastest way of building trust, right? You know, I guess you knew people. Reputation was important. And I think if you go overseas, particularly into markets like Asia, you know, reputation is still a very, very large part of how those systems operate. It's, It's absolutely fascinating. I've seen people in Asia who don't know each other lending each other money with no contracts. You know, contracts is a very Western thing. Right. It's purely based on reputation. An incredible thing. And it's not just the individual's reputation, it's the family reputation. So an individual yeah. gets into strife, the family will make good. Okay, so that's Asia. What about back to, back to New yeah, Zealand? Back, back on track again. <laughs> Character's a fascinating one. I mean, look, our experience of it is that generally speaking, the things that you're looking for here are things that destroy trust, and bad behaviours that would sort of suggest that people aren't capable of making the right decisions. And look, it's kind of obvious stuff, but you're always going to run into problems with drug use. You're always going to run into problems with gambling. Mm-hmm. So these are all things that lenders are looking for. So yeah, so I, you know, when you go through a bank statement, that's one reason why banks, lenders will get bank statements and they'll be scanning through those or AI will be doing that, looking for signs of gambling or that sort of thing. So if you're withdrawing 100 bucks every week or 200 every week at Sky City's ATM, 
guess what, the bank's going to sort of notice that uh, because that's part of the process. And I guess that's one way to yeah. identify. Uh, yeah, and I mean, they are, right? And look, um, bad, bad account conduct is a really obvious one. You know, do you pay your bills on time? They'll go to your credit record and look at, um, you know, whether you've defaulted on payments and that sort of stuff. You know, that is important. Are you honouring the commitments that you've already made? Yeah. So yeah, really, how you've handled credit in the past, and so you know your credit rating, which is a part of every credit process. You look at the credit rating of the person or the business, and that's built on how you've handled credit in the past. And so I guess you know past behaviour is a good indicator of future behaviour, and that's why the credit score is really important as a borrower. Right? And you know one of the things that we've noticed in the last couple of years, and it's huge, is that New Zealand's moved to comprehensive credit reporting. That won't mean anything to anyone. Effectively, in the past, when you used to go and try to borrow money or borrow money, you would get a mark on your credit score that says you've gone and tried to borrow money, right? And if you defaulted on the loan, you get a mark that says you've defaulted on the loan. These days with comprehensive credit scoring, any type of financial contract you've got, that could be a telco, a power company, or any of you know, your financial products and services, if you miss a payment, it goes on your credit record. So one of the things that we've seen a lot lately is people's credit records being destroyed by credit cards because it's really common for people to have credit cards not at their main bank mm -hmm. and then forget about the minimum repayments. Right, yeah. It happens all the time and, and I've seen people's credit records absolutely destroyed and they've got no awareness of it mm. until they come in to buy a house. We run a credit report and um, it's like, hey, you've got these credit cards that you haven't been paying. And they're like, oh, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that comprehensive, though, has real positives in that essentially all the major financial services providers in New Zealand provide their information on their borrowers to the credit rating agency, which captures both all the good behavior. You know, I've got loans yep. here, here, yeah. and here, and I'm making all my payments. And so... You know, I suppose one of the points is you can't hide debts that you've got because your name is attached to those. Well, so well a absolutely now. You know, in the old days, I think people used to get away with it, but it is pretty damn comprehensive now. Yeah, so yeah. disclosure is really important with lenders. You know, if you don't disclose stuff, it puts us on the back foot. Right. And people do, you know, they, they forget about debts conveniently sometimes, <laughs> I think, hoping that no one will notice. But the reality is, if, look, if we're submitting a loan application into a bank and we've got a whole lot of undisclosed debts, mm -hmm. it just puts us on the back foot straight away. Mm. I'd, I'd rather know mm. and then manage the conversation in yeah. than be surprised when I'm talking yeah. to the bank and they come back at me saying, you've got a whole lot of undisclosed yeah. debts. Yeah, yeah. so as, a, as an advisor, if there are things that are a blemish on the record or could be a concern, pointing them out up front and then mitigating them saying, well, here's the things yeah. that mitigate that risk that you might have thought as a lender might exist because of that. Totally. Okay, so character is, sounds like one of the biggest uh, biggest elements and you know the credit rating is really important there. So managing your money carefully, being aware that you know gambling type things will show up when a bank looks at you. There'll be the sort of things you're looking at, but many other factors too. Um, is eyeballing the borrower still an important part of the process? I mean, these days, I guess, it used to be across the table, now it's sort of across Zoom, or can, can all that happen without really eyeballing customers anymore? Depends on the type of loan, right? right? So consumer finance loans, even residential mortgages, which are considered relatively low risk, mm. the eyeballing's long gone. Yeah, all the other factors, that information that you can get really tell you 
the behaviour. Yeah, look, business lending, where you've you've really got to understand, you know, the competency of the person to mm. deliver against the business promise. You know, yep. uh, that sort of stuff. I still think has quite a strong face-to-face element to it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, let's move on to the second of the C's. Number one, character. Number two, capacity. Now, what's capacity mean? Well, I mean, I guess that's your capacity to borrow. So it's like, you know, how much, it's really affordability, right? How much can you afford to pay? And mm-hmm. therefore, how much can I borrow? Which is a perennial question that everyone asks. Is, you know, you, they come in and it's like, how much can I borrow? Okay, well, that's your capacity. Right, right. And so how much income you earn and the stability of income too? Well, talk about stability of income. Is that, how does that play into it? Yeah, so, so that does play into it. So it's a really good point, Dave. So stability of income, like uh, banks, if we're talking residential mortgages, which is our bread and butter, banks love PAY income. They love people that have mm. got job stability yeah. and uh, who get paid by a big employer the same amount every fortnight, every month. Self-employed people gets a bit harder. Mm-hmm. They, they want to see sort of longer tenure in the business. Like if you're in an early startup business, it's very hard to borrow. They'll yeah. look at several years, want to see several years of financials. Will uh, they they'll take the average of the last two years, but if the most recent years, the lower of the two, they'll take that. Yeah. So, so for a business, accounts prepared by an accountant uh, the best, you know, most Absolutely. trusted, I guess. Yeah, N- need to be. But you know, look, like we've been through COVID, uh, that made it very difficult for some business mm. customers. And the thing for them is that you know you only need one bad year to kind of ruin your ability to borrow for another two years. Mm. Mm. So, mm. so the other sort of factor under capacity is you know the servicing ratios. That you know how much is left each week after you take out your interest cost on the loan you're getting from your income and um, and your sort of fixed expenses like rates and insurance and then you know your living expenses and so that's, the, that's been a big issue now. Yeah. Right? So what happened there with service, you know, those servicing calculations and what you had to disclose? Yeah. So so I mean, look, uh, Segway Triple CFA, which was uh, you know the, all of that additional regulation that the banks put in or the the government put in onto the banks. You know, what was it last year? Mm. What happened there is that the banks had to take a much tighter look at your expenses mm. and it blew out of control mm. and you know... Uh, this was, was sort of the Netflix type thing wasn't it that got a bit of... Oh, even worse than that, it was like the Spanish Inquisition. Um, I remember having a debate with someone, uh, one of the banks, about how much one of my clients was spe- spending on cat food. It was that bad. Um, and, uh, you was know, that the bank or was that the legislation or was it a bit of over-interpretation? Uh, it's legis- both, right? Know, I think, um, bad legislation with poor um, implement. well, you know, but banks are risk-averse, so if, it, if yeah. you know, they think they're near the boundary, they'll take the risk, less risky approach, which will be Absolutely. Yeah. And it's got better since then. Yeah. It's, st- it's still not perfect, but it's a lot better. Um, Do you think the petition that you organised helped with that change? Well, hugely. <laughs> uh, I think it, it drove the change. I yeah. think, I think they had to shut me up Um, (laughs) the thing that surprises me with expenses is that I think most people underestimate their expenses Mm. their expenses are way higher than they think like you know people will disclose expenses to us and then you'll go and look at their bank statements and they don't even look like it's the same person (laughs) it's oh totally I mean people spend way more than they think they do so you know even even the idea of just just getting realistic about how much you spend and if you need to change it's good to know that up front rather than overcommit yourself into some sort of transaction mm. and then go oh my god i can't afford this yeah. you know yeah. so 
having a budget, you don't have to overdo it, but I think having a budget and having a realistic sense for what your costs look like is important. It's quite high these days. Like, I honestly don't think that a household can really live off probably, I'm putting an Auckland context on this because further down the country it'd be far cheaper, but up here, you'd struggle to live on less than 5,000 a month. Right, 50 grand a year, that's after tax, which means the household income needs to be... A lot. You know, um, I mean, you can, and, and there are people that do it very effectively, yeah. right? That's excluding interest when you say that, right? Yeah, yeah excluding, excluding interest. interest. Okay, so add your million-dollar mortgage onto that. Wow. I, well, no, but this is the whole point, yeah, well, that's right? That's why most, you know, two-house, two-income families. And that's most, why we're, you know, borderline recession. is we've got high interest rates, big mortgages, yeah. and it's an expensive country to live in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've done character, done capacity. Um, moving on to capital, so deposits and things like that. So what's the story with capital? Like, why do banks need you to put something up? What's the... Well, skin in the game, isn't it? I mean, you've got no skin in the game, then why would anyone want to trust you? (laughs) It's interesting because there's been periods in our history where you've been able to borrow 100%. I I remember back just pre-GFC, we were doing 100% loans. People, in fact, I think at one stage we're doing 105% loans. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you could take some consumer finance debt, consolidate it into the mortgage, no deposit, go out and buy a house. Yeah. Um, In your opinion, that was bad, I take it. <laughs> not necessarily bad, but um, I, look, I think getting too loose on credit criteria is always a dangerous thing. Mm. I think if you were doing that, you'd want to be really tough on servicing to make sure there's a lot of capacity, you know? Mm. So I think one or the other, but you know, being loose on capacity and loose on borrowing standards is dangerous. Mm. So when we talk about loan to value ratios, that's capital sort of thing, is it? So I'm borrowing, you know, let's yeah. say 800,000, I need 20% deposit, um, which is 160,000, so I'm 80%. And if I go over 80, the Reserve Bank had has for almost 10 years now imposed limits about how much a bank can lend at those higher levels. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why do they do that? Oh, good question. Financial stability. It was really to slow down the housing market, right? So, I mean, if you think back to sort of, um, I guess, the last five or six, seven years, we had this rampant housing market. Uh, no one could get it under control. It was a big risk for the economy. The government was throwing everything at it, you know, foreign buyer bans. It was a long time ago now, but we ring-fenced um, tax losses on investment property. We removed depreciation. Mm. There were a lot of things that were being gradually done to try and slow down the freight train, yeah. and none of it was working. The risk with it was that they would always overcorrect and do too much, and I think they did, and, and the one where they just went OTT was when they removed interest deductibility for investment properties. Mm. Um, and, and you know we've talked about that previously. Mm. So, um, but the Reserve Bank sort of stepped into the mix as well, and, and for them, LVR restrictions or, or loan to value ratio restrictions was the way for them to sort of pull the market back, and they did it very successfully. Yeah, and but you could always there were other lenders that weren't banks able to do those higher LVR loans, were there? Oh, a little bit, but yeah. th- those lenders are very expensive. So, right. you know, there was always going to be a cost to a borrower if mm. they went down that path. Mm. Mm. I guess through time, I mean, when I got my first house many, many decades ago, um, you know, 20% deposit was the thing back then. And, you know, bank of mum and dad helped out with that and so on. And 20% is almost the benchmark as a first home buyer if you can have 20% deposit. The beauty these days is a lot of that can come from KiwiSaver. Well, Ki- KiwiSaver is a big transformation. 
Mm. You know, like honestly, the the difference between sort of post GFC around 2009, 2010, and now, it's there's two things that I've seen happen. The first is that um, young people have a lot less consumer finance debt. You go back to 2009, I couldn't believe the amount of consumer finance debt we'd see. Mm. Now they don't seem to have it. They're actually way more responsible around consumer finance mm. debt. Um, and they've got KiwiSaver. Mm. So mm. absolute godsend. So that's actually the capacity is influenced by other debt that you've got because you know, you've got a credit card. What does the bank assess the credit card limit as? Uh, well, it impacts it uh, sort of around 3% of the credit card balance per month. Yeah. So what's that, 36% of the credit card balance is treated as? It could be yeah. about $300 a month, right, yeah, on a normal yeah. credit card, which yeah. is actually a lot. Yeah. If we're jumping back up to capacity, <laughs> the big one is student loans. Oh, okay. It's huge. Uh, honestly, um, it's one of the big things that we look at uh, as a broker yeah. is uh, their student loans small enough, we might actually get them to go into the house purchase with a smaller deposit, but pay off the student loan. Even though the student loan interest cost is free or very low, the impact on your ability to borrow is massive. Yeah, yeah. So a big part of capital can come. Can all of the deposit come from KiwiSaver? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So the bank doesn't care where, it, you know, there has been a means of saving done by the individual. Because I guess that's one thing the bank's looking for, the lender is looking for, is that the customer's demonstrated a regular savings habit, which indicates they'll hopefully be able to have a regular Mortgage payment, interest payment. Yeah, it, it, it demonstrates the capacity because it mm. shows that they can afford to live. I mean, one of the easiest ways to assess whether or not someone can borrow is to add their rent and yeah. their savings together mm -hmm. and say, well, that's essentially going to get substituted with a mortgage payment. Mm. Can you afford it? Mm. And if, if, if that doesn't work, then what expenses can you cut yep. to make it work? Okay, so we've done character, we've done capacity, we've now done capital. The next one's collateral. What does that mean? Well, that's the security, right? So the quality of the house. And I, I'm just thinking, you know, and that, that, look, this plays out quite, quite a bit. So what, one of the areas that we've seen over the years is, you know, for example, those tiny bolt hole apartments in the CBD, you know, less than 40 square metres. You know, some of them are tiny, right? I've mm. seen some apartments in town that are like 15 square metres. You know, there's like a wardrobe. You, you kind of climb into it. And uh, look, banks just hate that as security. They'll only lend 50% on it if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. For some people, that's affordable. You know, it's like, hey, I can get an apartment for you know $300,000. It's like, yeah, but no one's, you don't have a big enough deposit. Mm. The other one that plays out, you know, a fair bit, particularly in Auckland, is leasehold. Right, that's so, where you've got to pay a ground rent and then you've got your... Yeah, your so, yeah, so you technically own the house, but you don't own the land and you're paying, as you said, you're paying a ground rent for it. So there's quite a bit of this around in Auckland, around St. John's, and, and look, banks hate it. Why do they hate it? Because of that cost or for another reason? So, well, so here's the thing about security, right? So what they're looking for, security really, or you know, a collateral, really sort of ties back into a term that credit managers, which is loss given default. So if you default on your loan and I call in the security, the mm. collateral, yep. what are the chances that that's going, I can get enough for it mm -hmm. to pay back my loan so that I don't lose any money? Yeah, so in a forced sale situation, yeah. Yeah, now if you take a residential house, uh, in a mortgagee sale, a residential house will lose about 15% of its value. So, you know, hence no surprises why that sort of 80% number is kind of your magic figure, right? And the, the time it takes to push through a mortgagee sale is probably about another 10 or 15%.
So just in terms of capitalizing interest and lawyers fees and real estate fees and stuff. So look, by the time your mortgagee sold a house, you know, you could be sort of down 25, 30%. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what banks are looking at. Now, different kinds of security are obviously going to be harder to liquidate. So the bolt hole apartment, there's very few buyers for that. So in a mortgagee sale, you're kind of buggered. And is that the same with the leasehold? Lease yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the it's same. a harder thing to sell because there's a, I mean, it's a bit like there's a body corporate. That's sort of the equivalent of body corp sort of fee. And those can be quite big too. And so body corporate fees might be worth talking about there too. You know, what about apartments and townhouses and all that? You know, how do those sort of fees feed into what banks and yeah. leaders consider? So again, it's, it's around saleability. So um, terrace townhouses are fine. They're just treated like normal houses. Apartments, banks are more concerned about apartments. And partly because the risk is concentration risk, which is you've got a lot of lending in one building. Right. And banks typically don't like that because if you end up in a situation where you've got uh, more than one forced sale for whatever reason occurring in the building, it can drag the values down. So um, you can be more exposed with that sort of concentration risk. Okay, okay. So that's security. And then the conditions. So what, what are the conditions about this? Presumably it's the conditions of the loan itself. Yeah. Which will what? Partly reflect everything that we've just talked about. So, you know, the more risk in the, or well, how does that work? I mean, interest rate, that's probably the key, uh, the term of the loan, which is going to drive the amount that you're paying. Mm-hmm. So, um, to give you an example, as you get older, mm-hmm. right, the banks or the lender is going to put your loan on shorter and shorter terms because the bank wants the loan repaid during your working life. So, this is one of the problems that older borrowers face into is that. Most lenders have a terminal age of 70 because they don't believe that people work past 70. (laughs) And so, you know, you get to 60 and they're like, well, you've got to repay that loan in 10 years. So let's say I'm moving house, I'm 60, so I've still got a mortgage of... 400,000 or something on this. Actually, you nearly are 60. (laughs) Um, 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 The bank's not gonna, the bank's gonna say, okay, you wanna borrow 400,000, you're gonna be repaid in 10 years, which tend to increase the payments, even if clearly you're not gonna be living in that house when you're 70, you're gonna be selling because your kids are gone and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, why do banks do that? Is that logical or? Oh, like it's just hard. The big beasts, they just like stuff to be like standardized and they like, you know, ticking the boxes and stuff. Is that a credit contracts thing though, you know, in terms of affordability and yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, regulation has driven some of the thinking and it's just got no logic to it. Well, I think that common sense has come out of the front line of banks. You know, Mm. you can't use common sense anymore. So it's it's rules-based decisioning. Yeah, now you could read that too as common sense have come out of the front line of banks. You mean it's disappeared from the front line (laughs) of banks, right? Well, they're just not allowed to use it. Uh, They've just got to follow the rules. And the risk, as you said earlier, the risk for banks is if they don't follow the rules, the banks can get in a serious amount of trouble. So. so things like interest only would be some of those conditions. You know, if you want to yeah. want to borrow interest only. What about purpose? The purpose of loan investment. Purpose is really really big. Okay. Well, surprisingly big for lenders. They really and there's a whole lot of reasons for this, like including anti money laundering legislation (AML), which is the bane of all of our lives. Right? It right. frustrates the hell out of me. How many times I have to give people my photo ID, my proof of address, mm. where my money's come from. Mm. Like, just 
all the time. It's yeah. frustrating. So New Zealand sort of needs a digital identity that everyone yeah. can just use and trust rather than you having to provide oh, it many times. God, yeah. it's just a, it's a mini industry in itself. So, but the purpose goes to all of that, right? Which is, you know, what are you using the money for? And where's your deposit coming from? They're critical things. And purpose really does play out. One of the, the, one of the hooks that we quite often see, so New Zealand is a country of you know, residential home loans and a lot of business people borrow on their house. Yeah. And I think historically when the banks were a little bit looser on this, it was far easier to borrow for your business using your home loan. Yeah. And you'd go, hey, I just want some money from my home loan. Mm. Go, what's it for? And you go, oh, oh, uh, I need to renovate the garden. Because <laughs> you don't need a consent for that, right? Um, or do the garden, don't need a consent for that. So therefore they won't ask for a consent and, you know, oh, here's some money. Whereas, um, and then you go and put it in the business. Um, these days, you know, those days are long gone where, you know, the lenders really are tied to purpose. And, and look, a good reason for it, because I, I, that story is actually a story that happened to us. We had a borrower here a long time ago. This is consumer finance business, not, not the mortgage business, where this guy wanted to borrow 60K and like, what's it for? And he's like, oh, you know, I want to do my garden and stuff. He had actually recently renovated the house, so it was plausible that he was wanting mm. to finish off and do his garden. That loan went tits up. Oh, I thought you were going to say that loan was used to found Rocket Lab. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it went, it, it died. And, um, it turned out it was It like, turned out it went into his business before oh. it went into receivership. He was mm. desperately trying to get money in. Mm. And, uh, you know, good business, good business owner, but you know, this is the importance of purpose. And, but this also goes back to character. You know, and this is why lenders, you know, look at the bank statements and stuff because they're trying to align. You said you need the money for this. When we go and look at your bank statements and we look at your financial history, is, is, is that consistent with what you're telling us? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's the five C's of, uh, of credit. And hopefully that's given our listeners a really good perspective of the things banks look at and why they look at them. Because if you're borrowing, you've probably been asked for many of those things we've talked about and wondered, what the heck? Why am I giving you all this information? But the reason is so as they can make a sound credit decision. And in theory, a sound credit decision is good for you as the borrower because you're not yep. overextending. You know, you've, you're, you'll be able to hmm. service the loan and use it for the purpose that you had. So I suppose pulling out some of the key things, worry about your credit rating and the things that influence your credit rating. So that's how much debt you've got that you pay your bills, you know, your telecom bill, your spark bills, or um, your power, your credit cards, your personal loans, and so on, on time. Um, and the less you've got of them, the better. The capacity, how much income you've got, the things you've got to pay out of that, you know, what's left at the end. The capital, how much deposit you've got. First home buyers, KiwiSaver is a big thing, but if you're not a first home buyer, then, you know, turning up with at least 20% deposit, the more the better. The collateral, obviously the security, that's possibly the easy part in many cases, and then the conditions of the loan. So, you know, what interest rate terms and all that sort of thing. Hey, so it sounds like that's a blimmin' robust sort of set of things. Should that mean there aren't too many losses on things like home loans? And what's the real experience been in New Zealand, perhaps, yeah. and just briefly, you know, any examples where it's gone badly wrong? Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I really I really want to pick up on this. And this is probably a topic for another day because we could okay. talk about this for hours. But, but very briefly, you know, banks on average um, lose one basis point a year. So that's 0.01%. On, uh, it's one hundredth of one percent. Yeah. 
One hundredth of one percent is the loss rate on residential mortgages uh, done by banks in New Zealand. Now, to put it in context, the borrowers are being charged interest rates of close to 7%. Mm. So of the 7% that borrowers are paying, mm. one seven hundredth of that. No, it's one seven thousandth. Oh, one, sorry, one seven thousandth of that yeah, needs yeah. to go towards covering credit losses. Mm, mm. Okay, so principle is generally with the way New Zealand lenders operate, um, it's a really low risk instrument for banks to own. And actually, wouldn't it make sense for everyday New Zealanders to be able to own those mortgages, given well, that it's risk? Da-na. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a conversation for another day. So yeah. hey, let's finish it up there. Perhaps next week we can talk about when it goes badly wrong. Um, things like what I loved during the pre-GFC was the known loans called um, ninja, ninja loans. loans. No income, no jobs. Approved. <laughs> <laughs> and it was those loans which were securitised off and led to the GFC. And we perhaps talk about investing in mortgages and the risk profile of investing in mortgages with the context of what we've got talked about a lot today. Sounds good. Okay, thanks guys. Awesome. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.